Handle on the News. Handle on the News! One of the things I said, I fired Bill Handel. Well, I turned out to do the right thing because you look at all of the things that he's done and the lies. Turned out I did the right thing. And now, here's Bill Handel. Hi, good morning. It's a Monday, uh, the 25th day of June. Uh, We just got through the solstice uh, a few days ago. Longest day of the year. And now we go to on our way to the shortest day of the year, which is whenever the hell it is. All right. uh, Before we start. Uh, Some breaking news, right, Jennifer? Yeah, we are following the story coming out of downtown Long Beach. Police are responding to a reported shooting at a retirement home. A witness has told KTLA two first responders might have been hurt. At least one of them might have been shot. The Covenant Manor Retirement Home is near 4th Street and Atlantic Avenue. And people are saying that early this morning they heard an explosion and we're hearing... All kinds of different reports. We haven't confirmed this, but it might have been an oxygen tank that exploded that started the whole thing. But then how a first responder ends up shot, uh, we're still trying to piece this yeah, together. Corbin Carson's on his way to the scene. Yeah, and who shoots up a retirement home? Uh, that, well, that was our first, what? This is going on at a retirement home? It's the Covenant Manor Retirement Home. Wow. Well, what were the first responders responding to? Well, that's just it. So I think it was some sort of explosion, and that's why they're thinking it could have been the oxygen tank. That exploded. Yeah, oxygen tanks don't usually explode. I mean, they're under pressure, but they usually don't explode. Uh, You can smoke around an oxygen uh, tank, and it doesn't doesn't matter. You know that? But yeah, Uh, yeah, they don't explode. I mean, it's all that. So something's. I see them all the time in the casino. Yeah. Oh. That's right, you do. I remember, you know, we uh, were going to move to Reno because of you, Rich, uh, when I uh, at some point was going to retire. So uh, we were looking for land and we stayed at uh, the only hotels have casinos in them in the entire city of Reno. So I remember we were coming uh, down to meet the real estate guy and we walk through the casino and there is probably a 400-pound woman on one of those fat person scooter chairs, Aww. right? And she had the oxygen tank with the two things in her nose, uh, tattooed from wrists all the way up. Um, this woman's in her 60s, probably, totally tatted up. And uh, she is smoking a cigarette and has a tumbler full of what looked like Coke, and it wasn't. It clearly was a tumbler full of uh, bourbon. Eight o'clock in the morning. Oh. And as we pass her, I turned to Marjorie and said, we've just sat, found paradise. We're moving here. Yeah. Very cosmopolitan. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. uh, and she was smoking. And there was the oxygen, t- uh, yeah. the oxygen tank. And no one stopped her. It's like security was watching her. They just don't blow up. All right, uh, good morning to uh, Jennifer. Good morning. And good morning to Rich. Hey, Handel. And good morning to Alex. And there's John Ramirez. And as, How was your weekend? Oh, went up to uh, Bucket List Restaurant. Yeah. Fr- French Laundry. And wow. it was, uh, the, I'm going to bring the menu in uh, tomorrow. Oh, I want to see say, it. The food was it's the best meal I've ever had in my life. It, so it lives up to it. It uh, absolutely lives up to it. It was insane. It's insanely expensive. Yeah. Three hundred and something dollars. That's it. Yeah. It's expensive, but then again, you go to Disneyland with a, a party uh, with your family. You're into it five, six hundred dollars, if not more. Right. Hey, yeah. uh, and so uh, it's uh, you know it's expect go to a concert. You know uh, what's his face over here, Rich Springsteen. Yeah, I mean Springs. Uh, he'll spend eight hundred dollars for a Springsteen concert. Right. So it, it's bucket list. Yeah. Uh, you know you spend this. Yeah, it's one. It, 
And so it was, I mean, the food was, the service was beyond anything I've ever seen. So we're at a table where it's cold. And Mar- and then Pamela, uh, I, I asked the, uh, the uh, female waiter, I said, can you uh, give us another place to, uh, to sit because it's really cold here. So they move us to another table. And then he turns to Pamela and says, can I offer you a pashmina? And I said, wow. well, yeah. And I said, how is it prepared? <laughs> what what is a pajmina? Anyway? A pajmina, it's a scarf. Oh, it's just a wrap. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought she was getting a free appetizer. No, she was. <laughs> she, was she was getting a pajmina. <sighs> and then the on the way out, uh, they have a this the book uh, that you write in your comments. And uh, Pamela had written the best meal I've ever had ever. And oh, and it was hilarious. So she wrote. Uh, Pamela Handle and Bill Handle. And then in parentheses, she goes, yeah, that Bill Handle. And I turn to Marjorie and go, this is Yuntville. All right, you think anybody knows who the hell I am? And uh, so, and then my comment was, this isn't Burger King, or excuse me, this isn't In-N-Out Burger, but it's damn close. And the gal who was there on the way out says, first of all, the chef reads every one of these. Really? And he, and he will love the this. He adores In and Out Burger. <laughs> oh, that's oh, funny. Oh, he says his favorite it's burger. It's Thomas Keller, right? Or one well, of yeah, his Tom, restaurants. No, it's Thomas anyway. Keller, one of his restaurants. Wow. And it's just, oh, it's insane. It was, I hung out with Neil at uh, Fork Report oh, uh, how was that? on Saturday, all how day, was the that? music festival and everything. Yeah. Non stop eating yeah. during his show. And really? They, and they bring, they can't. Stop bringing him food. Yeah, and and I got to eat all of that stuff. So Fabulous, it was like it? three hours of eating. I know. It was, and I was you... like heavy into the Alka-Seltzer later. Yeah. I Rich, did you get to eat. try the uh, plant-based nachos? Yes, I did. I, How were they? They were very good. And I, I also tried a plant-based Plant. burger, double, bur- it... double burger. And Neil goes, try that burger there. That's right. really fantastic. And I took a bite. Oh, yeah, it's really good. He goes, that's vegan. I go, oh. but there's two meat patties there. And there wasn't. Goes, that's I know. not meat. Yeah. I once ate uh, a plant-based uh, kale salad. It was disgusting. <laughs> I don't like that kale. Yeah, I do, no. Okay, guys, let's do it. Lead story. I'm going back to Mexico. Oh, are we going to cover this one? The president says undocumented immigrants, illegal aliens, should immediately be returned to their country of origin without due process. Uh, I'm going to talk about it, but you it's... You do that. Nah, it's a, the president just shooting out at... Uh, shooting from the hip. It's just one of those things he says, and uh, everybody makes a huge deal about it. It's just Donald Trump being Donald Trump. Yeah, but everybody, everybody's entitled to due process in this of country, whether true. you're an undocumented worker or whatever. Uh, you, okay, the president. Everyone number, is. That's true. But president number one doesn't understand it, and number two, uh, he that was not a policy statement. He didn't sit down with anybody. He just said it, which is what he does. All right, and then we're going to cover uh, this story big time also separation order or the I guess it's a voluntary signature that some of the parents who have been separated from their kids can sign but what it does is it'll speed up your cases and you'll you're told that your kids will be returned to you faster uh, but it also says you'll be deported faster Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. actually they're not <laughs> uh, but here and there's a the logic to this I mean think about it. this is not uh, a situation that's mean spirited or whatever. This is a procedural situation. Most of the people that are caught are voluntarily deported, uh, and they say, "Okay, I'm out of here." 
and off they go. And if they have kids in the country, of course they're put together because the families are deported. Yeah, uh, They don't leave the kids by themselves in detention center. The families say, I want my kid with me. So off they go uh, with a voluntary de- uh, deportation. Uh, which means that uh, they give up any this they give up any rights or any attempt to be in front of an immigration judge, and of course it's going to go faster. Now, then the issue is coercion, right? And it depends on how your how people are given the opportunity. It's if you ever want to see your kids again, yeah. uh, then you uh, sign this uh, voluntary deportation order. It's all in how it's applied. It's right. all in how it's presented. Well, isn't it, Bill and Jennifer, isn't that, in a sense, then, we're holding kids hostage? Well, in a... Hostage in exchange okay. for something but it's been to done, get your kids well, back. You've got to do this. I guess you could interpret it that way, or if you voluntarily ask for, uh, you agree to a deportation, then we have to bring your kids back, and they can't be in detention because you're leaving, and they have no desire to keep kids. As a matter of fact, I'm going to argue the other way. That what the government is doing is putting families together because they're all leaving. And when families want to stay, as I said, then detention is separate. But the tension is separate per this 1979 Flores uh, settlement. It, that's one of the things is we have to follow the law. Remember, that's Christine Nelson. But she was wrong because there's nothing in the law that says you have to keep people separate. They could take the parents and move them into detention centers and put the kids together. They just, uh, under the uh, tr- under the George Bush administration and Obama administration, they didn't do that. It's the zero tolerance policy that separates them out. Literally, if anybody's a family that's charged criminally, the kids will be separated out pursuant to the Flores decision. It's simply what the government does. Do they want to charge these kids? Do they want to charge these parents criminally or Civilly, it. Do you, do you understand where I'm going with this? It's a little wonky, but I wanted to uh, to to understand that or make you understand that. Rich, let me let me explain this. You, you understand what an illegal alien? Is. Oh boy, here we go. Let me where we go. <laughs> See, yeah, I usually have John for that. Now uh, I have Rich. Yes. Take a break. We'll be back. And by the way, I'm going to tell you guys why we are being told not to call them not not KFI, but why uh, the media is being told. Don't call them detention centers anymore. Call them holding centers. And it has to do with this next story. Okay. Ooh, we'll be back with that one. KFI, all right. It's you, baby. And I'm a sucker for the way that you move, baby. And I could try to run, but it will be useless. KFI handled here on a uh, Monday, June 25th. And we uh, continue on with the big stories, immigration. We're going to talk about that this morning for sure. Well, I think immigration is important enough. And then there's a fire that Jennifer uh, Jones-Lee is reporting on up in Northern California, already burned uh, over 7,700 acres. And then Roseanne Barr, uh, an interview with Rabbi Shmuley Botich, my favorite guy, Shmuley. He was a talk show host. Actually, he still is. uh, But I think he talk shows on a pod. On his uh, computer and goes on the internet. He's a bit strident. Yeah. When it, uh, he's what? He's a bit strident. Oh, he's out of his mind. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's out of his mind. He's. Compl- I think he was the rabbi that was involved with Laura Schlesinger when she became super Jew. Oh, oh. All right, let's that just. Guy. Yeah, let's just move on. Okay, so here is why 
I heard this morning that we should be calling these holding centers and not detention centers for kids. Apparently, over the weekend, there was a 15-year-old boy who had come across the border. He was detained in one of these facilities, but they're saying the reason we can't call them detention centers anymore is because... He walked away from the facility. Yeah, according to uh, the people that run the biggest one, uh, Southwest Key, uh, Casa Padre, they said uh, it's not as if we lock these people up. We don't have chain link fences around or so they say. And if you see videos of uh, the facility, there are no fences around it. Now, so it's what, like a minimum security correctional uh, yeah, facility. Now whether, right? And I don't know if, the, if those cages are inside that center. I think they are. And Where the kids uh, sleep. Yeah, and are they allowed to leave those? And I don't know. It's it's a mess. This whole thing is based on uh, the zero policy, zero tolerance policy. That's what this is about. Because this happened with President Bush. This happened with President Obama. I mean, the same thing. It's just the numbers. And it's the absolutes. That's what uh, is really... Did cages occur with them? Yeah. Well, see, and here's the problem. So the kid walks away from this facility, and now he's missing. They don't know where he is. Right. They say he went back to, uh, they think he went back through Mexico into, uh, I think it was either Costa Rica or uh, Honduras, wherever the hell he went. But see, before the kid left the facility, authorities were in contact with somebody in Dallas who claimed that he was the child's father. Well, now oh, yeah. it turns out that the guy probably was not. See, there's the other thing. That's the other side Okay, of there's it. the other side. So you put this kid in detention. They can only stay 20 days. The uh, Homeland Security starts looking for the parents, right? Starts out there uh, looking. I don't know how quickly it is, whether it's immediate or not. My guess is it's pretty, it's pretty close to where they, when the kid is put in and into the detention center. And then someone claims to be a parent. They're saying, we have to vet that person. We can't just say, here you go. So and it takes time to vet that person. Now, here's the policy uh, change that... Uh, it happened. This is where it's new with the uh, with the uh, Trump administration. Is if that person is illegal, it used to be the they would just be released to that person, legal or not. Here, the illegal person comes to claim who is a legitimate uh, connection to the kid, and they arrest that person for being illegal. Which means that anybody who's illegal who is connected to that child by blood is not going to show up. So a lot of this is uh, simply policy change. They didn't think this through is what happened. This administration does a lot of stuff, just throws it off spontaneously. Well, why, if, as you insist, that this all happened the same way with Bush and Obama, was there not this chaos? Uh, Uh, Because it was numbers, because they they didn't arrest people who were illegal who picked up the kids. Now they are. And they didn't uh, decide that every single person coming into this country was going to be tossed. And then they had the catch and release, which they don't have anymore, where someone was claiming asylum and theoretically has to be held. But what would happen, the immigration judges, you'd be appear in front of a judge very quickly and given an order. Then you have to show up at a certain time, five months, six months, and then released. Problem is no one showed up. No one came back. But if you're claiming asylum, yes. you're not attempting to sneak into the country. That's absolutely correct. A, That's you, correct. You are presenting yourself That's right. with this claim for That's asylum right. because you're being persecuted either right. politically right. or by right. um, from a, apparently right. by a lot of gangs in the, in some of these mm-hmm. uh, areas where they're threatening their kids or, yep. or the families. 
So and then uh, so why are these people being treated in that fashion? Because, if I'll, they- I'll tell you why. Because zero policy, zero tolerance policy. They used to do a catch and release where people would claim asylum. Uh, they have to go through the process. They ha- it has to be vetted. You just can't take someone's word for it. And so they then would be given a date months, months later, sometimes two years later, because there just weren't enough immigration judges because the numbers were so big, and then released into the United States on the promise that you'll return to then either be granted or not granted asylum, and no one comes back because the chances are, or there is a chance, they're going to be said uh, they're going to be denied asylum, and back they go into Mexico or wherever in South America. So they just stay. And the Trump administration said, we're done with people just staying. We need more judges. We have to make the determination, and we're not going to do catch and release anymore. So it's it's a little more complicated than just let's throw them all in jail. Thank God I'm not the president. I'd throw them all in jail. Just have to understand that there's a as usual, it's a lot more complicated. We we simplify, the media simplifies, we tend on simplifying. You can't simplify when you have something this complicated, but you can't take a break. Let's do it. And there's Jennifer Jones Lee. Not a yes, sir, not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. KFI Handle here. It is a Monday morning. And good morning to you and all. Jennifer Jones Lee, Rich Murata, and me with the news. And don't jog along the U.S. Canadian border. Better run for the border. Yeah, this is crazy. A French tourist (laughs) is in Canada and is jogging and crosses the border because there is no wall on the northern border, and the president's not calling for one. So uh, she is apprehended, uh, this woman, Sedalia Roman, uh, by U.S. Border Patrol guards. Uh, She says, I'm French. Uh, I'm a French citizen. I have no intention of entering the United States illegally. They didn't know that. They pick her up. They detain her. And her mom shows up with her passport and everything, but they have to vet it all. She's two weeks in hold. Uh, two weeks? Two weeks she's held. Oh, come on. That's what happened. Are, are we all going nuts? Yes. I mean, doesn't this seem, Bill, really, like the kind of thing where you're going to take somebody in for 45 minutes yep. into, into the they could office have easily, they and could question have easily, them and say, okay. They could have eased, but they wanted to vet, and it's uh, zero tolerance, and they're <laughs> just going to do what they can. And she is suing because they didn't even pry, uh, provide baguettes. Well, I had not read I that part that, of the story. Yes. That's right, Jen. That's yeah. a, that's cruel, the biggest cruel and unusual. <laughs> no, no baguettes for you. Fit on baguettes. Oh, this story is so sad. A dad was fatally shot while camping with his daughters at Malibu Creek State Park over the weekend. Yeah, weird one, isn't it? His name is Tristan Bodet, and he all he had done was taken his two little girls out of their house so that his wife could study for an exam over the weekend. He loved to camp. They were planning, this family was planning to move to Northern California. There is zero, zero reason why anybody would go up and shoot this guy. In the tent, in In front of his daughters, and then just leave. They don't know who it is. They don't know the motive. 
And then we're finding out uh, that there have been a, a fair number of shootings, unexplained shootings at, at the park. It's in Calabasas. Right. And so there was a woman who says she was camping with her boyfriend in 2017. Here's a noise in the middle of the night, finds a bullet hole in the back of her car. Uh, then that was in 2017. In 2016, another man apparently was shot there. Uh, he, Another man says his car was hit by a gunshot at 4.30 Monday morning. So it, a lot of yeah. it, now investigators say, yeah, we've confirmed all of this, but they're not connecting them all. All right. Here's a story. This is a heartbreak. Oh, this is a heartbreak. By the way, real fast. There's a GoFundMe page for Tristan Bodette's family. Uh, if you want to check that out, just type in Tristan Bodette and it comes right up. Uh, we now know the identification of a man who jumped into Sequoia National Park River to rescue a little five-year-old. In the world we who fell in. Yeah. Right? He's- and he's uh, being swept away. And this guy jumps in. He cannot swim. And he still jumps and in. And he still jumps yeah. in and holds the little one up as she, as he goes under several times. And they discover his body uh, a couple miles down river. I, when do you, do you jump in to a body of water when you cannot swim? Had to just be instinct. I mean, he just had to, you know, just jump. Here's this kid who falls and he just jumps. He probably wasn't even thinking. Just, did, the, did the did he save the kid? Yeah, he saved the kid. Kids? His last move, they said, was throwing the kid onto the shore, and then he gets swept away. Isn't that nuts? All right, let's take a break, and uh, we'll be back and finish it up. This is KFI Jennifer Jones. All right, guys. KFI on a Monday morning. Well, actually, it's KFI on any morning, but uh, it is June 25. See, that's not every morning. Okay, back we go and we finish Handle on the News. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Rich Murata in this week for Wayne is on vacation and me. First, she gets kicked out of the Red Hen, and now she's being accused of an ethics violation. My Sarah. Right, come on. So she tweets on her official government tweet that she was kicked out of the restaurant and politely left. Which was true. Which and is named true. the restaurant. And then, right? Oh, yeah, but it's true. Yeah. It's uh, No, there's no issue. I mean, no one's arguing uh, about what she was tweeting. It's the fact that she was tweeting on a government tweet. Uh, Tweet machine, yeah, but which she's is called your device, thing. right? That's exactly what you call them. on the uh, the <laughs> the Twitterama, right? That's the world on of the tweets. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but she's condemning a private business, and that now, I, I don't know that I don't think that's issue. the issue. I don't no? think it's the issue. No, the issue is that she did it on a government uh, device, right? Government phone, which is just a crock. You know, that, and she'll probably end up doing 35 years in jail for it or what they'll have. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, what do you think about the equating? A lot of people are equating it now with the uh, baker who won't serve the uh, gay couple, right? He won't make the bake, bake the cake well, for the gay one, couple one for moral for, reasons. See, one is for religious reasons, and the other one is for political reasons, which, the, by the way, the owner is allowed to do. Uh, keep in mind that to, to be gay now, uh, gender discrimination is illegal to be a fundamental Republican uh, is not a protected class at all. So you can throw people out all day long. And also it, the, the idea that it was the uh, the, the, the Supreme Court uh, arguing or giving uh, the 
Baker the right to do this. It had nothing to do with that. It was uh, the uh, Equal Rights Commission that just did it wrong when they agreed with uh, the gay couple. It was, that's what the whole issue was about. They just handled it wrong, so we're kicking it back. And uh, therefore, the uh, what the lower court did is illegal. So it's, again, that's being misunderstood, as everything is. All right. All right. Well, Antonio Sabato Jr., the actor turned Republican, I don't know, spokesman, I guess, says he was blacklisted like Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Antonio, how will you remember Yeah, there's, but there's, uh, that's funny, but there is a difference. Uh, He's right. In Hollywood, if you are pro-Trump, if you're a Trumpist, you are blacklisted. If you're Republican, oftentimes you're blacklisted. You just don't admit it. Yeah, there are very few Ted Nugents out there, and Ted Nugents happens to be in the music business. Yeah, and Chachi. That's it. And and there's no one else. I mean, Charlton Heston is completely dead. John Wayne is uh, now worm food. And when you think about it, uh, which Republicans are left? Do you know even watching stupid shows like The Real Housewives, if they say to them, like, hey, did you go to the fundraiser last night? A lot of them will opt out of not saying whether they even went to a political fundraiser because they don't want to be, you know, hit on social media. It's gone crazy. It's gone crazy. Well, here's one that's crazy. Walgreens pharmacist has denied a woman a miscarriage drug over personal morals. Which I don't get at all. I mean, this woman is, uh, its the child's going to be born stillborn. I mean, it's going to be uh, actually expelled from the body. And he is saying on moral grounds, no, uh, it's not an abortion that's going on. I mean, first of all, the guy's crazy. Second of all, he has violated the policy of Walgreens. Uh, what Walgreens is supposed to do, uh, they the policy is if a pharmacist does not agree or does not believe in birth control, for example, has to make sure that someone's in the pharmacy that will, in fact, uh, fill a prescription. This guy just said, no, just get out. The driving ban on women has been officially lifted in Saudi Arabia. Woo! Party time! And now, now they get the joys of women driving. Oh, my God. They're going to change their minds very, very quickly and say this was the biggest mistake we ever made. Is Saudi Arabia the only country that uh, bans women from driving? I think so. I don't think there are any other women. Yeah, I mean, there are countries that ban everybody from driving because there are no cars and no roads. Right. Uh, But, no, I think it's the only country in the world. Wow. There was a... Brady Bunch episode, Marsha versus Greg, who was the better driver, women or men? Marsha won, I'm just saying. Move over, barbecue, Becky. Yeah, that was a television, that was a sitcom that was written by people. There's no reality to sitcoms, okay? They they were acting, Jennifer. You don't know that. Maybe it was filmed, it was real. Yeah. Barbecue, Becky, move over. We got Permit Patty now. I've got the video up at KFIAM640.com. Keyword, wake up call. Permit Patty calls the cops on a mom and her daughter who are selling water near AT&T Park. Right. Saying she should not sell water because she doesn't have a, she doesn't permit. Have a permit. But she I never, saw this. But There's she never, a video of this. But lady. she never called the cops. She never did. She, she was on the phone to somebody. Claimed, I saw the video. She claimed it was the cops, but it wasn't. Right. And the mom, the mom Videos videos it. her. But the worst part is permit Patty is the woman's being called hides. Well, that just made it worse. Yeah, she ducks down behind a wall, so the mom just goes and confronts her. The video's hysterical. All, All right. right. She's gonna hear. 
She's going to hear about it from a lot of people yeah. on yeah. Twitter. Already has. It's, it's yeah. already, she it's claims that it was the mom who was like making a whole bunch of noise near her workplace. She didn't have a problem with the girl. She had a problem with the mom. So there you go. That's it. Do you want to end it there? Or yeah, you let's, keep going? yeah, let's end it there. We'll come back and finish the rest of the stories when we engage and handle on the news late edition at 830. Uh, in the meantime, uh, no due process for you. That's what the president says. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll explore that one a bit. And it's actually a much smaller thing than you would think. Uh, and I'll explain why. KFI AM 640. KFI Handle here on a June 25, Monday. Uh, a lot to talk about. The lead story is, of course, immigration uh, over the weekend. That exploded. Uh, there also is a fire we're going to talk about. Uh, the uh, rural Lake County, Northern California. A dozen buildings were destroyed. Hundreds more threatened. Uh, 7,700 acres burned up. What's the name of the fire, uh, Jen? Uh, we I'm have sorry. a name yet? Uh, they, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I don't believe I have a name on it yet. I will work on that one. They have not named the fire, which uh, usually they do. Usually they do, yeah. No. I'm sorry. I'm getting information on the uh, the retirement home shooting in my ear right now. Apparently, uh, one of the firefighters who was shot is in critical condition, and they are talking with someone right now, so that might be the possible shooter in this situation, but at least two firefighters were shot, one in critical condition. Another person was also shot. We don't know who that was or their condition. And then uh, it does look like they have detained somebody, at least for questioning at this point. And so uh, there, is, I understand there was an explosion of some kind and firefighters show up and then they get shot? This was, yes, this was at the Covenant Manor uh, retirement facility in Long Beach. And uh, people reported an explosion, hearing an explosion, and then some sort of gunfire. All right. So uh, the immigration story that exploded over the weekend is the president, of course, tweeting his brains out and saying what is uh, considered, oh, I don't know, a fairly controversial statement. And it is. I mean, it's a crazy controversial statement. And, oh, my God, look at where we're going. First of all, uh, the statement that he made is uh, saying no due process. He does not want to give uh, illegal aliens coming into the United States due process rights. Just throw them out. No judges. Just get rid of them. And, of course, uh, all of a sudden, craziness happens. First of all, uh, I don't take that very seriously because it's Donald Trump talking, and he just comes up and he uh, pulls things out of his ass. I mean, that's what he does. Uh, probably does... If you were to give him a civics test, he wouldn't know what due process was. He has no idea. So for him to say, did he mention due process? Uh, no. No, he didn't talk about no due process. He just said, uh, let's just get the hell out of here. We don't want judges. We want to throw them out. That's what we want. Did I get that right, by the way, that he didn't use the phrase due process, uh, Jennifer? I don't think he, I don't did. he did. I don't think he did. No. Uh, so I don't think he put it together uh, that when you take away someone's rights, and in this case, illegal immigrants don't have rights, and for the most part, they don't. And I'm going to explain something a little bit here, uh, that to argue that they are in the same category as American citizens, it is absolutely not true. It is where they get due process rights 
is, and this is where uh, due process is very important, is any criminal action. Uh, anytime they're charged with uh, any crime, then they get due process. Then they're entitled to. Short of that, mm, a lot of pieces are missing. So him saying, no due process, we're done. Uh, or him saying, let's kick him out of there. And everybody went completely crazy. Let's take into consideration uh, that you have a president that tweets crazy stuff. Of which uh, he may mean it at that second. Not understand what it is. And then turn around five minutes later and uh, tweet something totally differently. And of course, deny that he's ever tweeted before. Just, just oh no, uh, wrong. Case in point, President Obama is from Kenya, and he's not an American citizen, and therefore his presidency is illegitimate, and he kept on going and going and going, and finally, uh, due to pressure that he couldn't take it anymore, uh, because it was, you know, the earth is flat, is what he was saying, then he ends up with, I'm going to stop that. I am going to now tell you this man is a citizen of the United States, even though Hillary said he wasn't. What? And that's exactly what's happening here. As soon as it's pointed out, Mr. President, you can't do that. Oh, 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 okay. Uh, then I can't. All right, so there's that one. And the people are making a huge deal out of the president saying that. I don't think it should be made a big deal of. Eh, it's uh, shooting from the hip. It's talking without thinking. I mean, that's what he does. Now, uh, let's talk about the stuff that is important that actually has some real legs. And that is the change that has happened as a, as a result of this uh, no tolerance business, zero tolerance business. That is something to really look at because that has true policy changes. Uh, that really does affect people in a major way. The president just shooting eh, from the hip, yeah, it doesn't change anything, this changes. And this has to do with the separation of families and keeping them together. Now, this gets a little complicated, and I want to spend a minute or two talking about it. First of all, the separation of families is not new stuff. It happened during the Obama administration. It happened during the George Bush administration. And why is that? Because in 1979, there was something called the Flores Settlement, or 1997, excuse me. Uh, I'm obviously dyslexic. I don't believe in dog. Uh, the Flores Settlement requires that children who are detained be released within 20 days. So what is going on now is the Republicans, for the most part, because the Democrats are all in unison. They're in lockstep on this issue. And that is the GOP proposal would allow for children and their parents to stay together in detention facilities past the 20 days uh, effectively undoing the floor settlement, just saying we're going to ignore it, going to change it, we're done. And that allows that uh, parents and children be held together in detention center. And why are they separated? Well, because the parents are being charged criminally and kids aren't, uh, and they can't be detained with their parents in a criminal, in a federal facility, in a jail facility, which is exactly where the parents are. So they have to be separated out. So what happens when they're separated out? That's also a huge question. They're put in cages. They're put in the detention centers. 
And I want to come back and talk about that because there really are some humanitarian issues here. And again, policy uh, that is uh, started by the Trump administration is not well thought out. It just sort of happens. And the zero tolerance policy may be one of the worst with the consequences that no one thought about in the Trump administration. And I want to go through a couple of examples and try to explain why all of this is happening. And it's not as if the Republicans have this cold heart, this Scrooge coal in his heart, uh, coal where his heart used to be. His heart no longer there because it's coal. Do I have that right? Sure. Thank you. See, it's, uh, I go right into explaining things where everybody goes, huh? But we can't, I know what you meant. See, there you go. They're cold-hearted. You've been, you've been, They're yes, exactly. There cold-hearted. it is. They're cold-hearted. Cold. Cold? Cold. Not cold. Oh. I always thought it was C-O-A-L-hearted. See? <laughs> Do I know this stuff or what? Okay. I want to come back uh, having lost my train of thought completely. Wait, I have an answer for you. The fire in Northern California is called the Pawnee Fire. Oh, the Pawnee Fire. Yes. Okay. Indian name. Yep. Indian tribe. Referring to the Plains Indians. Pawnee Indians. Yes. We'll be back and more on this immigration statement and why uh, the Republicans or the Trump administration isn't cold-hearted. They're just idiots. And I'll explain. KFI AM 640. Show me what I'm looking for. KFI. Handle here. It is a uh, Monday morning. A lot to cover, as always. You know, it's used, it used to be we'd come back on a Monday, and there wasn't much to talk about because over the weekend, uh, there's very little in terms of news cycles over the weekend. Not much happens in politics. Everybody just relaxes. And so we do a lot of human interest stuff uh, Monday morning. You know, women's pet clam in Alaska runs away, and we talk about it and just... I mean, there's just nothing there, right? Oh, has that changed since the president uh, became president? All right, so uh, what happened over the weekend? Well, his little 12. Before I do that, real quickly, I want to remind you. uh, Oh, here it is. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Dan Abrams, uh, that Dan Abrams, uh, wrote a book, Lincoln's Last Trial. And I'm a Lincoln fanatic. And uh, this is the only and the last trial in which there's a full record. I mean, a court reporter, and it was the early stages of, uh, and he explains that, uh, or will explain that, of how they did court reporting. It all had to be hand done uh, in those days. So that's coming up at uh, 9 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. Now, back to Trump with his statement, no due process. Let's just throw them out. Uh, We don't want judges. We don't need judges. Let's just throw them out. Okay. That's just a stupid statement that he made that he tends to do. Now, uh, a little reality here about the detention. And that is the only reason there is such a big deal about the detention, which wasn't made, incidentally, when Obama was doing these detentions, was because there were so fewer of them. And there was no policy that every single illegal alien with a family coming over, the kids would be separated. That's the policy when uh, parents are charged uh, with the crime of entering illegally. The crime of entering illegally. They can do it both ways. Charged with the crime or doing it civilly. And then either way, they're deported. So now you separate the kids. By law, the kids then have to be within 20 days released. Well, they do it a lot quicker than that. 
Uh, some cases they do it over one or two days, three days, because they have to look for sponsors and family members who are willing to take those children, because that's the policy. So someone comes forward and says, here I am, I'm the father, or I'm the uncle. Well, they just don't take their word for it. They have to be fully vetted to make sure that that's the real uh, family member, that they're that the kid's being taken. So what are the changes? Well, the changes are under the zero tolerance policy. Everybody who comes over with a family, uh, the kids are separated and detained, and a sponsor is looked for. And the detention can go on for a very long time because there aren't enough immigration uh, or uh, judges. And this is for people that are declaring and wanting asylum. All right, people that are going over illegally, uh, there's not much other than tossing them out because there really isn't much of a claim of any kind. So they're able to be deported immediately. But asylum, if they they know the rules and they fall under the rules of asylum, then they have to be given, quote, uh, due process, which means they, are, they there has to be a time when a judge, an immigration judge, makes a decision as to whether asylum is going to be granted or not. Usually the answer is no. It's not easy to be granted asylum. So uh, after the answer is no, out they go. They are tossed. And now the family members, then then the families put together and they are gone because everybody's illegal. So it's a lot more complicated than let's just take the kids and throw them into jail. I mean, there's a reason they are. So how do you make sure the families stay together in light uh, without violating the Flores settlement? Well, you get rid of the Flores settlement completely. And kids can stay a lot longer. The other, uh, the other way of doing it is to simply bring the families together. And whenever uh, parents are charged, even with a crime, they move out of the jail, the federal facility, and go into another one where the families are together, where there is detention. But those have to be built. You can't do that overnight. So it's a question of changing the policy completely. And you have a policy that makes it more difficult, and you don't have enough facilities, and you have a zero-tolerance policy. Put that all together, and you've got a cluster truck. And this is where it was not thought, uh, thought out. None of it. And so is there a way to undo it? Yeah. I mean, you change the settlement. You keep uh, the... Uh, uh, you keep the kids in detention uh, with the parents. You have to build those particular facilities. And uh, you get a lot more immigration uh, uh, judges to deal with this. And then the other possibility is simply not allowing asylum claims. A lot of countries don't have asylum. You just change the law. Say no asylum for us or no asylum for you. That can change. Congress can change that in two seconds. And certainly the president would sign that one. Now, keep in mind, and here's another one, uh, that when they talk about the families, 2,300 kids, there are 10,000 that were unaccompanied. Where do, they, where do you put those people, those kids? Do you simply let them out? Is that what you do? And you look for family members, and you do if you can place them, and and here's another not thought out here. Part of zero tolerance is while you look for sponsors, so many of these sponsors, these family members are illegal to begin with in the United States. 
So what used to happen under previous administration is they wouldn't even ask if those family members are illegal. Oh, good, good. We have the kid. We can move him uh, into uh, the home of a sponsor, uh, a foster uh, a foster home. Thank goodness uh, it's cheaper and the kid is in a family environment. Well, if that family member now is illegal, he is being arrested under the Trump administration. So no one's coming forward. And I, I can't imagine anybody would, which means more kids can stay in detention and more kids are separated from family. And again and again, it just starts snowballing. So as you look at this, man, it is a mess. It is a mess. But I will tell you that no one in the Trump administration wakes up and says, how many kids can we put into jail today? And when the president says, uh, it breaks my heart to see kids in jail without their parents, I believe it. It's just his way of doing it puts more kids in uh, these, quote, detention centers. Okay, coming up, Moolah Monday with Guy Adami. We'll talk about some of the financial issues that are going on, and there's plenty of those. KFI AM 640, Jennifer Jones. Money talks. Nobody's got bigger huevos than you, Bill. Here comes the money. (laughs) Bill, you hung up on me, Bill. All right, handle here. It is a Monday, June 25. Uh, The big stories that we're covering, obviously, uh, the president uh, with what's going on with the separation of the families down at the border, particularly Texas. And uh, that's going to be covered a lot. There's a fire, the Pawnee fire that's up in uh, Northern California. And uh, Roseanne Barr, a podcast interview with Shmuley Botich, Rabbi Shmuley. What a piece of work he is. They're apparently friends, uh, she and the rabbi. Of course they are. Uh, every crazy Jew is a friend of Shmuley Botich. Every completely crazy-ass Jew is a friend of this guy. Yeah, see, proof positive that I'm not. All right, Guy Adami, a financial guy. Good morning, Guy. Good morning, Bill. Shmuley Shmotif. I'm a friend. <laughs> And you're not even a crazy ass Jew, so go figure, yeah, well, right? All right. I don't know. Yeah, I know, I know. All right, now uh, a fair amount to uh, cover with you in the world of uh, economics, starting with uh, the tariffs and the announcement by Harley Davidson that because of uh, the tariffs that Europe is throwing on the Harley Davidsons, uh, the factory they are going to move a factory to Europe to right. sell in Europe. First of all, how big a deal is this in terms of how many companies are going to do the same thing? And I'm assuming the Trump administration uh, figured out that this was going to happen, or is this unintended consequences again? Let me go backwards. I think it's unintended consequences. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think they anticipated this. How many more companies are going to do this? I, I, it's that one's a tough one to answer. I, you know, I do think you're going to see. You know, if it starts to hurt the bottom line, I think companies will do what's in their best interest. I mean, as much as you'd love companies to be nationalistic in their approach and to do what's best for the people of the United States, whatever. They're going to do what's in the best interest of not only their company, but their shareholders. So you could see these unintended consequences of company actually moving out of the United States. But you know, the far-reaching effect is, what does it mean for the stock market? And I think that's really the conversation we need to have. 
And right now, what the the market is down three hundred points. The Dow, as of today, it's down below the start of the year, isn't it? Yeah, I think the let's just call the market unchanged for the year. I mean, that's effectively what's going on here. The the Nasdaq's done a little bit better. Small caps have done a little bit better, but. You know, for you folks playing the home game, I mean, we're effectively unched on the year, and here we are towards the end of June with another five and a half or so months left in the season. Um, Not terrible, all things being equal, but I don't think exactly what President Trump had in mind. And remember, and not getting political, I mean, their word's not mine, but this is an administration that talks about the stock market being a report card for how they're doing. And, you know, if this market's going to start to sell off in a meaningful way, you have to wonder how long will this rhetoric, if that's in yep. fact what it is, about trade wars and tariffs continue. All right. How about the grain producers, soybeans in particular, and the Chinese are being very clever as to their tariffs. They're throwing right on uh, the Midwest, uh, the, the big Trump supporters. So pork, uh, soybeans, when does that become super political? Yeah, well, that, that's exactly to your point why the Chinese have, have, have attacked that specific uh, industry because it speaks, it, it, it shoots right to the heart of, of the Trump base, right? And if you can attack them and if you can get them off, then you've hurt the administration. And soybeans are trading, I think, at a multi year low, and it's clearly going to hurt the pocketbooks of the farmers. But what's interesting is, for now at least, um, Farmers seem to be on board. They're like, you know what, we'll take the short-term pain for the long-term game, understanding that, you know, we've been fleeced for so long as Americans, we're going to do what's in our best interest. But, again, you have to wonder how long can they, um, how long can they take that posture? You know, how, long, how much pain are they willing to endure for the greater good? And right now it is, yeah, they will, but... You know, as the year progresses and it gets more and more costly and they continue to lose money, one has to wonder. It comes down to this again, and we've talked about it. You know, President Trump has to run for re-election in a couple of years, and, and President Xi of China doesn't. He has that job in perpetuity. So the Chinese are in much better position to play the long game. Got it. All right, let's take a break, and I want to come back and talk about how uh, the two of us are going to have to work until we're 98 And we're not alone, are we? No, we're not. Okay, we'll be right back. Uh, This is KF. All right, KFI handle here on a uh, Monday morning. Uh, So much going on today. The immigration story, huge. Uh, the president says no due process. What's going on with immigration uh, detention centers? A lot of changes going on. Let's not forget the executive order the president signed saying no separation except it's odd easier to sign an order than it is to actually do it. So uh, talk about that. Back we go to Guy Adami and uh, the world of uh, Guy Adami, Mula Monday. And uh, the topic, uh, Guy, that uh, affects every one of us is... Uh, Early retirement or even planned retirement is out the window. We've heard so many people say and so many uh, pundits say, uh, don't plan on retiring on time because you're not going to have enough money to retire. So let's talk about that. People are living longer. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the majority of people have not saved nearly enough for the, what it will be, hopefully, you know, many years of retirement after they've done. So what's happening is people are delaying retirement and they're trying to basically 
prolong their careers um, as opposed to less necessarily trying to save more money whilst they're working. So, you know, for example, this becomes a math problem, not that anybody cares, but, you know, the trade-off between working longer or saving more, if you delay retirement from anywhere to three to six months, it has the same impact. Think about this. It has the same impact as saving 1% more of your salary over a 30-year period. So people are saying, all right, I can't save more, so I'll just work longer. And uh, that's what people are doing. But you're right. We're living a lot longer. My mother, oh, God bless my mother. My mother has been on Social Security for 40 years. That's amazing. God bless her. That's incredible. Yep. We've been paying for 40 years for her to be on Social Security. Uh, and, and of all the people that don't deserve 40 years, uh, well, I'm not going to even go into that. Uh, thank that's, you, Bill. Uh, thank you. I love you. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's I spent, your mom? Oh, that's, yeah. that's adorable. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. long time ago. All right. So, um, but you still have uh, the situation of discrimina- discrimination against uh, the older folks. So it's... Uh, you're caught between a rock and a hard place, aren't you, if you want to stay working at 65 or 70? It's brutal. It is, and yes, it is It is a brutal situation to find yourself in because, quite frankly, and you're seeing it all over the United States, it's not just the oldest, not people 65 to 70. It's people, you know, from 45 up that are being pretty much disenfranchised by the rise of technology, and they're becoming obsolete. So, as much as you'd like to work longer, the reality is you might not have that option. So it really is a bit of a problem. And, yes, the elderly are somewhat discriminated against in the workplace. But if we're, in fact, living longer, we're not going to have enough money to, to, to sustain us. You know, what's the solution? The, probably one of the solutions is pushing up the, the retirement age and, and adding an additional five years to not tax Social Security as much as we are. But that's a political football that nobody's willing to sort of play yeah. with right now. Well, how much would it change if Social Security became it became means tested? Because there are I mean, a lot of Americans that the extra two thousand dollars a month they could easily afford not to have. You, how do you think? Listen, I don't know what the numbers are, but how do you think that's going to play uh, politically? I mean, does anybody want to touch that third rail? I mean, I know what you're saying is people should, you know, people with the means maybe should forego their Social Security benefits or take a percentage or work longer, whatever it is. But, you know, this greater good utilitarianism that you're talking about is probably not going to fly. Yeah. So the answer is, and I want you to comment on this one, uh, one of the big answers is when this generation uh, from 45, 50 years old dies out, simply dies, uh, and you have the younger generation, number one, that understands that Social Security is not going to be the answer and they're going to have to supplement, and they're going to have to work for a lot longer. I mean, at some point, retirement's going to be at age 70 uh, in terms of Social Security. Uh, man- well, we should be now, Bill. I mean, you, you know, and it's interesting. Social Security was put in place at a time, um, I think, again, for all the right reasons. And, and uh, you know, I don't want to go down too far this rabbit hole, but, you know, people that relying on Social Security, I mean, maybe it's a false safety net. Maybe it shouldn't exist. In the first place, you know, maybe we should empower people to save into retirements on their own. I and mean, quite frankly, and you know this, and I'm going to say it, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate mail, but the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of mankind is effectively Social Security, if you understand what it is and how it works. Yeah, so, there's, no, there's, there's no trust money. A Social Security trust fund doesn't exist. 
does not. Yeah, there you are know, other. Bill handles paying. I mean, you're paying. Hopefully, and you're hoping it's somebody younger than you pays in, so you can get your money back. I mean, yeah. it's not unlike these Ponzi schemes. Right. And the difference is, and I want to point this out, and I think uh, you'll you, you will confirm this. There are there are trust funds that are real trust funds. For example, the Highway Trust Fund. There, there's real money in there. Where in Social Security, it's uh, it's IOUs. Government, it's it's simply the government taking it and handing a, an IOU back. That's exactly right. And you're 100 percent right, and that's not, and that's a scary thing because you know the studies that are done. I mean, effectively, you know, different studies give you different time frames, but. In a certain amount of time, over the next 5, 10, 15 years, Social Security is going to be insolvent, given the fact that, to what we talked about, people are living longer, and it's just it's a math game, effectively. Yeah, and how many jobs at Walmart exist? You can only have so many greeters, which is what I tend to do, by the way. I fully intend to be a greeter. I'm not going to last, you know, I'm not gonna last very to, long. Don't you have to smile and actually be cordial to people to be a greeter, or is that changed? I was thinking California? that same thing. Handle a greeter? Can you imagine? You're supposed to be nice. Yeah, hey, get out of here! <laughs> Good I mean, maybe God. you could change, you know, they, they have those restaurants where the waiters and waitresses are really mean. Yes. You know, and it's like a shtick. I mean, maybe you could do that. Like, what do you want? As a shtick. Yeah, that would work. Because uh, every, oh. everybody would believe uh, that is I'm a shtick. I'm just stick. trying to help you, Bill, yeah, because I, the Walmart thing probably is not going to last. Yeah, guy, let me get personal if, you, if, you're, if it's get okay. Personal. And even if it's not, how, how old are you, guy? How old 54. are you? 54. How what? 5'4", 54, 1963. Okay, so I'm sure you've already thought about uh, retirement. So what are you doing personally for retirement? Do you plan on retiring at 60? Well, you, you're at 66 and two-thirds, I think, before Social Security kicks in, full Social Security. Bill, let me tell you something. I mean this sincerely. I'm going to work as long as they allow me to work. You know, I need my mind, you know, you need your mind to be active. So as long as they allow me to do this TV show, as long as you folks allow me to come on the radio, as long as people want to pay for me to go speak, I'm going to do it. I mean, I don't see myself sitting on a lawn chair, kicking my feet up and reading People magazine. I'm not wired that way, so I'm the wrong person to ask. I mean, I hope I could slow it down at some point. But you got to make hay when the sun shines. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Uh, just I, I, you I didn't know. I mean, you. I mean, you'll do that. You love your radio show. You ain't going anywhere. Uh, yes. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm going to say I'll be saying something next week that'll get me tossed. Believe me, I'll be the new Roseanne <laughs> Barr. All right, guy. We'll talk again next week. We can only hope. Yes. All right. That's uh, Guy Adani. All right. Uh, coming up. Uh, the sh- shaming and shunning of public officials. They're all, they're all Amish now. Everybody who is in office is, a, is, a, uh, is Amish with the beards and they have the buggies and it's fascinating. And I'll actually put that together for you, strangely enough. KFI AM 640. Monday with the rest of the morning crew, uh, Rich Verona, uh, in for Wayne, who is on vacation. Uh, he is uh, in Richmond. That's where his family is, uh, the capital of the Confederacy, and he's trying to keep the uh, Confederate uh, monuments up, and he's working very hard to make sure 
that all the monuments to slaveholders uh, stay exactly where they are in the county squares. All right. Uh, Here is something uh, that it just makes a lot of sense, right? And uh, we know about shaming and shunning. Uh, There's body shaming, as we know. There's bullying that happens in school. And something new is happening. The public shaming and shunning of political figures. Uh, While they're going about their private lives, uh, case in point, what happened over the weekend, Sarah Huckabee Sanders goes to a Virginia restaurant with some friends, and uh, the cheese course is already on the table. Now, you know it's a pretty high-end restaurant when they give you a cheese course, and I'm willing to guess that there wouldn't even be paper napkins. Uh, They probably give you linen napkins. See, to me, I do cheese course at home. I bring out a box of Velveeta, and we just slice it up, and here you go, right on white bread, and uh, there's my cheese course. I think this is a little more serious. So uh, the owner takes her aside, doesn't start screaming at her, but takes her aside and requests that she leaves. Uh, Why? Because Sanders works for and defends an inhumane and unethical administration. And so is that legal? It absolutely is. You can throw people out of a restaurant for political reasons. You can't throw them out because if they're a protected class, race, creed, religion, and, you know, the big five, maybe six, gender. And uh, so out she goes. Uh, also, what happened uh, is Pam Bondi, the Florida Attorney General, who's very connected with the president, very closely aligned. In as a matter of fact, the president uh, endorsed her big time when she was running for Attorney General. Uh, she was shouted down at a movie screening in Tampa on Friday. One protester screams at her, "You're a horrible person!" And uh, the local newspaper reported that Bondi was actually escorted out of the theater by police. And then hecklers uh, shout down or start shouting shame at Homeland Security Secretary uh, Kirsten Nielsen. And uh, she had to leave a Mexican restaurant near the White House last week. And protesters even posted video of that encounter on Facebook. (laughs) That's the worst of all. Uh, Because an owner quietly asking... um, Sarah Sanders to leave is one thing. A bunch of people coming into a restaurant screaming at a patron, that is, mm, that's going over the line. And this is new. Uh, Representative Maxine Waters, my favorite representative uh, this weekend, encouraged the harassment of Trump officials in public spaces. She said on MSNBC, that's a shocker, MSNBC, that she had absolutely no sympathy for those serving in this administration who know it's wrong, know what they're doing, and and are causing unconscionable damage to people and the country. So for those members of this cabinet who remain and try to defend Trump, they're not going to be able to go to a restaurant. They're not going to be able to stop at a gas station. They're not going to be able to shop at department stores. Uh, People are going to turn. They're going to protest. They're going to absolutely harass them. Member of Congress asking the public or saying, I think it's a wonderful idea for you to go and harass members of the administration. Incidentally, if you don't know who Maxine Waters is, during the Los Angeles riots, 
after Rodney King, you remember the uh, L.A. burnt half, the half of L.A. burnt down? You have her, that is Maxine Waters, instead of trying to calm the people that were burning down the city, was screaming, no justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. She should have been arrested for incitement to riot. She should be sitting in jail. Well, not now. She would. I would have only given her 45 years for doing that. But it's, it's gotten crazy is what it is. There is absolutely nothing here that is civil anymore. Now, that's not to say that uh, the people who are backing Trump are particularly civil either. Uh, there is a sense of hatred that... Uh, that somehow uh, Trump evokes, not that he is a racist, not that he is particularly hateful of individuals. Well, maybe he is, anybody who disagrees with him. But this whole thing has become so crazy. What's happening at rallies, for example, uh, Trump rallies, where you have white, when you have uh, races, white Aryan nation people who are screaming, make America great. They've taken what the president has done and they've co-opted that. Do I think that President Trump thinks that America great means no blacks, no Catholics, no Jews should be part of America? No, not for a second. But the way he his administration is going, it's easy for those people of that ilk to connect themselves to it. So it has become beyond insane. Former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, uh, who happens to be Sanders' father, tweeted to his million followers, bigotry, on the menu at Red Hen Restaurant in Lexington, Virginia. That's where Sarah Sanders was asked to leave. Uh, You can ask for the hate plate, and appetizers are small plates for small minds. It's name-calling, it's insults. Gee, the president would never do that, would he? It's just gone it's just you can't eat at a restaurant anymore, for God's sake, if you're part of the Trump administration. Coming up, Saudi Arabia has probably made the worst decision in the history of its country. Handle. And I'll, I'll talk about that. <laughs> when we come back, in the meantime, Jennifer Jones Lee, you want to share? Oh, sure. Good morning. Uh, So much going on today. Immigration. It went crazy with the president saying no judges, no due process. Out they go. And there's a fire going on, the Pawnee Fire. Do we up in Northern California? Jennifer, do we have uh, the acreage? Uh, It was this morning 7,700. Still at 7,700. Last check. Uh, Dozen buildings destroyed, hundreds uh, threatened, and then later on Roseanne Barr. (laughs) With uh, her good friend, Rabbi Shmuley Botich. What a piece of work he is. And if you don't know who Shmuley Boteach is, I'm going to tell you. All right. Now, I've been joking about uh, Saudi women being given the right to drive, and it just happened uh, a couple of days ago, yesterday. They were able to finally get in the car and drive. Now, remember, this is a country in which women were not allowed to drive. Let me, let me count the countries where women are not allowed to drive. One, two, 
one. One. Wow, one. Saudi Arabia. Wow, what does that tell you? Now, I joke about uh, how this is the worst decision in the world because they're allowing women to drive. I mean, I joke about it, and uh, am I serious? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Women drivers drive me completely nuts. Uh, Emails go to uh, Robin Bertolucci at iHeartMedia.com. And so now they're driving. And now it's a tiny little step. Women have some of the... it's. Well, Saudi Arabia is one of the most oppressive countries in the world when it comes to women in general. The only, actually, the only two places in the world where women are treated this badly, uh, the Taliban maybe uh, treat women horribly, uh, and certainly you have Saudi Arabia close second because of their religious views of Islam, the Wahhabism, uh, or, or the Wahhabism that uh, they practice a very fundamentalist form of Islam that treats women like utter crap. So for the first time, women are driving, and they're thrilled. It has to do with the crown prince, who is is the heir apparent, and he is changing Saudi Arabia as quickly as he can. For example, here's a shocker. They just allowed women to be in sports arenas for the first time. Wow, allowing women to see in a sports venue? What a shocker that one is. Hey, Handel, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I have breaking news for you. Uh, The firefighter, one of two who was shot at this morning at a retirement home in Long Beach, has died. Mm. Oh, good God. And so we still don't know. A woman who lives in the retirement home says she says this all started after somebody's oxygen tank exploded. Then people say they heard the first responders get there. Then they heard screaming, three shots, and then now we've got one firefighter was killed, another has been injured, and another person also was shot. One person is in custody. And oh, there is oh, someone- detained. I should say detained for questioning, not arrested in custody. They're talking to somebody who they think might be the shooter. Sure. Usually, when they detain people or persons of interest, generally tend to be. Uh, the perpetrators. Every once in a while, you hear that someone is released, uh, that some kind of a proof came uh, forward that uh, shows that that person wasn't there or probably didn't do it. But usually this is the case. All right. Oh, boy. Let me go back. I mean, you talk about uh, jumping all over the place. Real quickly, Saudi Arabia, before we go to handle on the news, uh, late edition, Saudi Arabia has just allowed women to drive, which is an unbelievable move forward. But again, this is the crown prince who, for the first time probably since the founding of Saudi Arabia in 19, I think, 22, 23 by King Saud. Oh, here's a quick little factoid. It is, uh, other than Rhodesia, which uh, was named uh, after Cecil Rhodes, uh, this is the only other country in the world that's named after an individual, and that is uh, the House of Saud, which was the first king of Saudi Arabia. Just mentioning. Eh, but if I ever get asked that on Double Jeopardy, I'll win, right? So here is something else that's going on. You talk about a country that's going to change, but it's going to take a while. Right now, Saudi Saudi women can't marry or divorce without permission from their male guardians. 
be it a father, be it a brother, be it an uncle, depending on who the guardian is. They cannot socialize with males outside their immediate family, can be imprisoned for that. They can't eat a restaurant that doesn't have a separate family section. Must wear an abaya or abaya, head to, head to toe, and the veil in public places. However, some women have started showing their faces, and usually it's the women that shouldn't show their faces. That's the one that's tending to do that. Uh, women cannot marry non-Muslims. A Sunni woman can't marry a Shia man, certainly an atheist. Saudi women cannot conduct certain businesses. At least two men have to testify to their character before they can be uh, granted a loan or a business license. This one's going to floor you. In case of a divorce, Saudi women cannot retain custody of their children after the kids reach the age of seven for boys and nine for girls. In court, the testimony of one man equals that of two women. By law, Saudi women cannot receive an equal inheritance. This is under Sharia inheritance laws. Daughters receive half what is awarded to their brothers. They cannot get a passport, travel, open a bank account, or even have a medical procedure without permission from their male guardians. And this is a country that we don't bitch very much about in terms of human rights because it's an ally, right? All right. Coming up, Handle on the News, late edition, right here, KFI AM 640. Handle on the News, late edition. Handle on the News. This was the largest audience to ever witness. Bill Handle. Period. Both in person and around the globe. And now, here's Bill Handle. All right, KFI Handle here. Morning, everybody. June 25th. Top stories we're covering, of course, the immigration, uh, the president. No uh, due process. Due pro- fit on due process for immigrants coming in. And then signs an executive order. Yet we will keep families together after all week saying we can't because the law doesn't let us, which is untrue. And so... I guess it's working out better, although it's not. Roseanne Barr, uh, uh, in an interview with her longtime friend, Rabbi Shmuley Botek, feels remorse and says she would never uh, would have wittingly called any black person a monkey. Wait a sec. What did she say about Valerie Jarrett? She's saying that she didn't know Valerie Jarrett was black. That's correct. That's what she's saying. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely correct. She was the only one in the country who didn't know Valerie Jarrett. Was and and uh, calling Valerie Jarrett uh, the progeny of someone from Planet of the Apes is yeah. certainly not racist, is it? Uh, no. Not advisable. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, uh, let's do it. Handle on the news, late edition, Jennifer Jones-Lee. You've been listening to uh, Rich Murado, who's in all this week for the vacationing Wayne Resnick and me. Lead story. Ah, this is a tough one. We opened the show this morning uh, talking about a shooting that happened in a Long Beach retirement home. Uh, two firefighters and a civilian were struck by what appears to be random gunfire. And uh, 
Jennifer just told us that one of the firefighters who was hit has just died. Yeah, we now know his name. It's Captain Dave Rosa. He was 45 years old, married, father of two. He'd been with the Long Beach Fire Department for 17 years. And they have someone they're talking to. Yeah, and uh, police have detained one person. The bomb squad also has found devices that were deemed suspicious. Mm. They say when they got there, they found shattered windows and a smell of gas. So this wasn't just some accident that an no, oxygen tank exploded. No, it looks like we, they didn't know. We originally were talking about the possibility of an oxygen tank exploding, which they never do, uh, and it turned out to be an incendiary device or a an arson, purposeful arson. Something. And it could be for the purpose of luring firefighters, paramedics there. Yeah. It's starting to look that way. And somebody it? might have been lying in wait for yeah, them looks to that come. Way. To, which, by the way, oh, lying yeah. in wait, murder with lying in wait is uh, special circumstances. Mm. And uh, that'll get you. That's the death penalty. There's a contractor working for a private prison company that has applied for construction permits to expand the Otay Mesa Detention Center in southern San Diego County. You stay classy, San Diego. But they're saying, hey, this expansion was planned when the facility was originally built back in 2015, and it's not in response to any current situation or policies. And And that's probably true. Because by the time you're making an application for construction permits, you already have the plans in place. You already have the engineering in place. I mean, it's all ready to go. And then here you go uh, to uh, the planning division and ask for permission to build. So, And that is a long haul to get there. Is this somewhere where they've been sending some of these detainees? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's a private prison. It would add 512 beds. And uh, they already have, I think, over a thousand, don't they? Yeah, they already have uh, oh, 1,400 beds, and it would add another 500. Handle this next story. If the Republicans get their way, uh, it would be feh on the Flores settlement. Now for 20 days and 20 nights, I've which actually makes all the sense in the world if you think about it, because right now under the Flores settlement, uh, yeah, kids cannot be held more than 20 days. And if their parents are detained, and it takes longer to just process the kids, uh, it is, uh, they have to speed it up. And uh, that's going to get rid of that. And remember, uh, the president signed an order, said you can't separate the kids. Direct contradiction to what the Flores settlement says. So it's, it's going to be, they're going to put the kids together. And it's going to be at former Walmarts, and it's going to probably be at military bases. How many of these kids have been returned to their parents now? 500. 500. 500 out of yeah. 2,300. Do they even know where the other ones are? They say they do. Department of Health and Human Services says, yes, they know exactly where they are. So that's their statement. Do you believe them or not? Not. Prince William is about <laughs> to make history with the first official royal visit to Israel. My prince will come. That's excellent. <laughs> but apparently, well done, John. Some Israelis are already mad because Kensington Palace has been criticized for calling Jerusalem's old city part of the occupied Palestinian territories. Yeah, how do you do that? Calling Jerusalem part of the occupied territories, where number one, it isn't; number two, it has never been, and uh, it is crazy. Now, West Jerusalem, East Jerusalem, at one point was. 
part of the what is now considered the pa- Palestinian territories. It was actually part of Jordan at the time. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and so uh, you can argue at East Jerusalem by saying all of Jerusalem, the country was founded uh, in 1948, May 15th, when uh, Jerusalem, part the capital of uh, the country was Jerusalem, and it was there. So uh, I'll tell you, there's a Israeli or two that are really pissed off on that one. Well, is he going to actually meet with Palestinian oh, leaders? Yeah. Oh, it? yes, he is. He's going to do that whole thing. Oh, yeah, game. Mahmoud Abad. Uh, he's going to go to Ramallah. Yeah. In addition to uh, going to various parts of Israel. All right, uh, we're coming back and we'll finish it up. This is KFI. Jennifer Jones. I'm only Handle here on a uh, June 25th Monday as we finish Handle on the news. Late edition Jennifer and uh, Rich Murata, who is filling in hey. for Wayne this week. And uh, me, and Melania just- News. Yes. Do you want me to recap our story, though? Uh, Yes, please. Long Beach firefighter has been shot and killed, responding to reports of an explosion at a retirement home. This was at Covenant Manor in Long Beach. Captain Dave Rosa was a 45-year-old married father of two. He'd been with the Long Beach Fire Department for 17 years. Just crazy. All right. All right, Melania, this is a little bit more fun if you like uh, attacking the Trump folks. Oh, yes. She's made her first public appearance since Jacketgate. Oh, Melania, he walks ahead of you. Ever since she wore that, I really don't care, do you, army green colored jacket. Yeah, that was just uh, that was just being a little bit colorblind or just a little bit co- just deaf. But uh, this is the one that I like. Her entire premise, as in Laura Bush was, or Barbara Bush was literacy and... Uh, Nancy Reagan's just say no. Just say no. And uh, what was oh, Roseanne? Was it Roseanne Carter? What was her first name? Rosalind. Rosalind. Yeah. Rosalind Carter. Her premise was uh, let everybody be a bitch. And it worked out just fine in her case. This one is uh, Melania Trump. Kindness, compassion, and positivity. I mean, it's just totally bizarre. No bullying. Uh, no tweeting. No cyber bullying. Right. I mean, it's just, it's insane. So anyway. Is it possible she wasn't projecting some kind of message with, that it, that it was just a jacket that says, I don't care? No. I used to wear a t-shirt that said, leave me alone. No, you it know? wasn't. I mean, it was just, it was, no, I think it was just, it was a designer jacket. And I don't think she put, I don't think she put the, uh, connected it. I really don't. Well, Alec Baldwin has extended an invitation to Melania Saying, Melania, come over to the light. <laughs> to see the light. And, the, and, and invited her to join him on SNL. He tweets, Dear Melania, we know what you're thinking. We know what you're feeling. You're quaking with anticipation, shuddering with a strange newfound courage. Come, come over to the light. Now, we will welcome you as a hero in ways you never imagined possible. And then do SNL with me. Sincerely, Alec. Oh. I bet Trump loved that. Right. It would only the only thing that would be better if he were to say and do S and M with me. Okay, let's move on. That might have been the hidden message. <laughs> Some people are gonna go. Wait, we're not number one. We're number three. We're number three. Don't go crazy. 
California only ranks third when it comes to the most psychopaths in the state. But shockingly, who's number one? Anybody want to guess? Uh, Saudi Arabia for allowing women to drive. Handle, I swear. D.C., number one. Oh, yeah, that's not a shocker. No, then Connecticut, then California, then New Jersey, and New York and Wyoming. Yeah. How do New York and Wyoming I tie? I don't get that one. And so you have uh, we have the third most uh, psycho. So what is a psychopath? Actually? Well, a psych- you, I hear that term used all the time, but no one ever explains the. According term. to this, it's someone who is pushy, dishonest, manipulative, and risk taking. Well, <laughs> stop it right now! Everybody's looking at me. Everybody's looking and pointing. Stop it! When I read the description. Next story. Next story. <laughs> You look that up, there's a picture of Handel in the dictionary. All right, the Supreme Court has declined to hear the case of one of the guys who was on Netflix's Making a Murderer. He was a teenager who confessed to authorities in Wisconsin that he had joined his uncle in raping and murdering a photographer before they burned her body in a bonfire. I'm just starting to watch... Uh, make him a murderer I am now. too. I am too. It's riveting, isn't it? Oh my gosh, it is such a good series. Yeah, and it goes in different directions. Yeah, it's stuff you don't you don't see it coming, which I, that's right. what I like about it. But his attorneys claimed he's intellectually disabled and was pressured into this false confession. But the pr- Supreme Court saying, but hey, he agreed to this. I mean, his mom had agreed to this. Yeah. So they're not going to hear it after all. And, oh, don't leak it to the media. Otherwise, Stormy Daniels will not be interviewed by the feds. Hi, Stormy. How are you? I'm way fine with whatever. All right, really, let's do this really quickly because I want to get to the Roseanne uh, Barr story. Anyway, so uh, she's not being interviewed. Thank you very much. Yep, All right, she was now, to. Okay. Roseanne. Roseanne. She's really sorry, and she didn't mean what she said. Oh, I believe she's really sorry. Here's what it says. Here's her uh, her interview with the rabbi. I'm I'm a lot of things. I'm a loudmouth and all that stuff, but I'm not stupid, for God's sake. And I never would have wittingly called any black person a say they are a monkey. No, but that's exactly what she did, and uh, she would not wittingly. Of course, she wittingly, wittingly did that, but didn't understand the consequences. It's one of those where you just don't understand the consequences. And then uh, real quickly, the story, uh, David Bossy, uh, Fox News commentator, oh, he's on Fox and Friends, and he is talking to a black Democratic strategist. Of course, uh, he's Republican and uh, tells the strategist, you're out of your cotton-picking mind. Oh, and it, But, you know, that is something that a lot of people say yeah. and did. I, I used to say that all the time. Am I a little bit more conscious of it? Yeah. And That's you, why. It was just a blurt. It was just a blurt uh, in a statement that had no racial connotations until a few years ago. You know that it was not, what is he thinking? You, black person, are out of your cotton-picking mind because you, black person, your ancestors picked cotton. You think he was really going through that? No, not at all. But you just have to be overly cautious these days. Yeah, it's just crazy. You know, for example, you can't can't tell anybody, oh, they look great today. 
Certainly you can't, uh, if you're male, you can't tell a woman. So how do I get around that, Jennifer? You tell me I look awful every day. That is correct. And that (laughs) is not harassment. Coming up, Dan Abrams. And you know who Dan Abrams is, of course. He has written a book, Lincoln's Last Trial. This is something you definitely want to hear. KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640, Bill Handel here, and I want to introduce to you, well, it does need an introduction, uh, Dan Abrams, and the credentials are completely insane. Uh, Dan Abrams, ABC News uh, legal analyst and an author and a producer and uh, web, uh, he's got a whole network on the internet, I mean, on and on and on. Also, uh, Dan, uh, the problem I have with you is you went to Columbia Law School. And as a lawyer who didn't, I'm totally intimidated, and it's really depressing. I, I want you to know that. Um, uh, it's intimidating that uh, what it was, I don't know, 20-whatever years ago that I was, um, you know, uh, graduated from a good law school. But i got to tell you, the, the number of uh, crappy lawyers that some of these top law schools put out, uh, I wouldn't put too much uh, oh, okay. too much value. In I feel it. better now, uh, Dan. You wrote a book, uh, Lincoln's Last Trial, uh, which uh, I read cover to cover, as in every word I parsed, and uh, it's based on uh, transcripts of his last trial uh, that have recently come out. So let's talk about the transcripts themselves before we go into analyzing Abraham Lincoln as a lawyer. So this was the only transcript that exists of any trial that Abraham Lincoln has ever tried. Uh, Transcripts just weren't made back then, typically. This happened nine months before he got the Republican nomination, and it was found in the garage of the great-grandson of the defendant. Uh, He died, and um, in the house they found this box, an old chewed-up box with a a yellow bow around it, and it had a full transcript, the only one that exists, of Abraham Lincoln for the defense in a murder trial. And uh, who actually wrote the transcript? Because there were, we're not talking about a stenographer, we're not talking about a a machine. I mean, someone actually had to handwrite it, and how do you even do that? So this was a new field back then. His name was Robert Hitt, and he was the same person who transcribed the Lincoln-Douglas debates for Lincoln. Um, He was a critical person for Lincoln because Lincoln knew how important it was that the words were distributed out there. Douglas was much more famous than Lincoln at the time, and so Lincoln really wanted to make sure that everyone saw the the debates. And so, in fact, at one of the debates, he didn't see Hitt, and he literally said he wouldn't start the debate until Robert Hitt was sitting in his seat right in front of him. He uh, recruited Hitt to transcribe this trial. The and family pay, had enough money And he to paid pay for it. it. Okay. Yep, yep. And, uh, and so I'll come... Yeah. Th- all right, and uh, a little bit about the facts of this case, because it's fascinating anyway, who the defendant was, uh, the connection that Abraham Lincoln had with him personally, uh, what happened at the trial. So the defendant was a guy named Peachy Quinn Harrison, uh, a small 22-year-old who'd been feuding with his neighbor uh, slash former friend, Greek Crafton. Now, what made this case so personal for Lincoln is Greek Crafton, the victim, had worked for Lincoln in his law office. Um, Lincoln knew the family of Peachy Quinn Harrison. 
the defendant. Um, there were, you know, the star witness was someone who'd been a longtime political rival of of Lincoln's. Um, so there was a lot of connections for Lincoln yeah, in the context of this trial. Right. A lot of con- but, today, a lawyer under those circumstances would be conflicted out in about twelve seconds. Right. Oh, I think in particular because of the the victim had worked in his office, um, but. You know, for those days, things were very different. Uh, you know, one of the jurors had actually uh, worked with Lincoln. Lincoln had represented him in a matter. Um, so, it, you know, it, it was just a different world back then. And these two had been feuding. The smaller guy, the ultimately became the defendant, Peachy Quinn Harrison, ends up getting a knife to bring with him for protection. The two of them have been sort of trash-talking each other to friends. But Peachy knows he's smaller and that Greek is, going, is threatening to whip him, to stamp him, etc. And lo and behold, uh, Peachy's sitting at a, you know, at, at, at a counter, at a, effectively like a diner. And um, Greek Crafton comes in. His brother's already there in the back. Greek immediately walks up to Peachy and starts a, a, a brawl. And Peachy pulls out the knife eventually, stabs him, stabs the brother. The brother survives, and the brother becomes a star witness against Peachy. And it's Lincoln for the defense. And so what happened in the trial? So it was a claim of self-defense, and um, in, in the end, Lincoln won. Um, but it was a close case, um, and it was a case where uh, you know, a grand jury indicted, a coroner had determined that it was a, a murder. Um, and the community wanted a conviction. So it was not a popular case for Lincoln to take. He had everything to lose by taking this case nine months before he gets the Republican nomination. Yeah, a couple of things. I want to take a break in a minute, and then uh, I want to come back and uh, explore a little bit about uh, Lincoln the lawyer and Lincoln the politician. And uh, what a lot of people don't realize, and obviously you do, you do with all the, the research that you've done, uh, is uh, is talk about or we'll talk about the fact that Lincoln, uh, he's now he's been deified. He's uh, the, the the father who kept the union together. What a lot of people don't realize is how brilliant a lawyer he was. Uh, I mean, today, if he were practicing, he'd be one of the, the most famous lawyers in the country and how brilliant a politician he was. And, I mean, there's a lot to be said in addition to all the deification. So we'll be right back uh, with Dan Adam, uh, Abrams, uh, the author of Lincoln's Last Trial. This is KFI AM 640, and let's check in with Jennifer Jones. Lee. With the news. But they did know that one fine day that he would rule this USA and be the best leader in all the land. Yes, young Abel, he can make a total, total uh, KFI, we're back. Dan Abrams, uh, the author of Lincoln's Last Trial. And yes, it is that Dan Abrams, ABC News analyst. And you've seen him on, I don't know, so many uh, channels. Uh, he's a host of uh, 60 Days uh, and uh, Live PD on A&E. Uh, and I just don't even go into more MSNBC, on and on. So uh, this book is about the last trial that Abraham Lincoln uh that uh, he uh, actually uh, was practicing nine months before his nomination for presidency. Can you imagine that today, uh, that a lawyer is out there practicing nine months before? Taking so, a controversial case, no less. Uh, yeah, that he uh, <laughs> should have lost. 
uh, and he ended up winning and the family connections and uh, the previous segment, we talked about that. So go ahead and on the podcast and listen. Uh, but Dan, let's talk about his brilliance just as a lawyer. So Lincoln was a, someone who connected with people. Um, he was an order, and it's actually what helped him um, bring some, you know, uh, become an effective president um, later in his presidency, was his ability to convince people um, of his position. Um, and he wasn't a statutes guy. He, you know, some would say he kind of winged it a little bit inside the courtroom. But he sure winged it well, and he represented everything from railroads to doing bankruptcies, divorces, um, you know, all sorts of civil cases, murder cases, and uh, really became one of the best-known lawyers in what was known as the West. And he made a very good living at it, didn't he? He made a good living. I I, I wouldn't say that he was – he certainly wasn't a a wealthy man, but certainly by later in his life, uh, by the time, you know, in the mid to late 1850s, uh, he was living a comfortable uh, life. Um, but, you know, he was not uh, he was not a wealthy, uh, a wealthy man by any stretch. Well, were there lawyers uh, out there who were wealthy? Uh, like, I think, you know, yeah, ahead. I mean, it, look, th- th- there weren't the kind of the lawyers that we see today who are, you know, doing corporate law and, you know, making five million dollars a year plus. Um, but there were lawyers who, um, you know focused more exclusively on business transactions. Although, look, typically lawyers back then didn't have a specialty. They would try all sorts of different kinds of cases. So, you know, I think that there were probably a handful, but not many. And uh, I know, and you write about this, uh, that uh, Lincoln, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he was in about 3,000 trials uh, and he was yep. a circuit uh, lawyer where out in the outlying you know, villages, towns, they would all, the lawyers, the judges would all go around, uh, sleep in the same place, uh, travel together, and then just at uh, doing the trials. Very different kind of law. And in many cases, uh, he didn't get a whole lot of money, did he? It, it, no. In, a lot of ca- in, in certain cases, if he really believed in it and he believed that the person didn't have the money to pay, he wouldn't even charge them. Now... Um, and, you know, that's part of his legacy is that, you know, when he really cared of the case, even if the person didn't have enough money to pay for it, he would still represent them. Uh, which is um, kind of neat. And he, but he was known as a hick, uh, wasn't he? He dressed uh, rather badly. Uh, correct. His, uh, he, in terms of the law, as you said, is not a statute guy. So uh, I'm assuming the rules of evidence uh, were nothing like they are today. Uh, it, was it really just trying to convince uh, 12 people that your guy should get off? In this case, um, no, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just an opening argument. You know, it wasn't just an opening statement and a closing argument. I mean, he had to, you know, question critical witnesses like the brother of the victim to, who was basically taking the position that there was no reason for the defendant to pull out his knife. Um, that, you know, this was just a... Uh, a little, you know, pushing and shoving, and that is the minute that started, according to the brother, he pulls out the knife. Um, so Lincoln had to cross-examine. You know, it, it was it, Lincoln had a lot of 
um, you know, he had to, to be very strategic in the context of this trial. Let the other side argue its case. Let them put on their evidence. But try to make sure that the jury is sticking to the big picture here as to whether it was self-defense. Because remember, they're not denying he did it. They're just talking about mm -hmm. why. And was he well-respected among other lawyers? Oh, yeah. Um, for sure. He was, he was really one of the, the most well-respected attorneys um, of his day, particularly in, as I said, what was called the West then. But in, you know, in Illinois and beyond, um, he was one of the, the finest lawyers in town. So uh, we're talking about a man who, uh, very strategic, knew exactly where he was, where he was going, and how to get there. And that translated into politics. People didn't understand uh, that this is a guy who was a superb politician, too. And uh, it was and in those days, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when you ran for president, you couldn't go out there and say, I'm running for president. Look at me. I'm a great guy. There was manipulation that went on with party bosses and leaders. Yep. And yep. He, no, you, you had to be very um, strategic about because a lot of it really was sort of pushed by um, leaders of the parties. Um, you know, not that dissimilar from today, but there was less even of the public's uh, role. Um, in um, nominating right. someone for a particular party. Hey, just a quick one, having nothing to do with the trial, but your uh, opinion and or your uh, knowledge of the facts. Uh, did Lincoln know nine months before that he had a, a shot? Uh, even, well, did he know that he was going to be nominated or, or had a good chance of being nominated for the presidency? I think that he did not think he had a good shot. I think he thought that he wanted to have probably was going to throw his name in the ring, but certainly was not a one of favorites. He was definitely an underdog in, uh, you know, the, a, a real underdog in September of 1859. Got it. All right. The, the book Dan Abrams uh, wrote, Lincoln's Last Trial, it is riveting. It is uh, you get a new appreciation for who Abraham Lincoln was on a whole different level than you have before. That's Lincoln's Last Trial, Dan Abrams. Dan, thank you. I'm a huge fan. Take thank you so much. It was great being with you. All right, take care. All right, KFI AM 640. All right, let's check in with... KFI handle here on... A Monday morning, a lot going on this morning. Some of the big stories that we are covering, uh, the immigration issue, of course, Donald Trump saying no, absolutely no due process for immigrants. And, of course, uh, the order that he signed now putting families together. All right. And we have a fire that's being covered. Uh, Roseanne Barr. I, I didn't mean to say that. I had no idea that it could be taken wrongly. Right. Calling. uh uh, Valerie Jarrett, uh, the product of uh, the movie uh, Planet of the Apes. Oh, no, that couldn't be taken wrongly. All right, now a story that we've been covering this morning, and it broke while we were here on the show, is a Long Beach retirement home uh, was where uh, a fire had erupted, and the fire department showed up, and unfortunately there was a captain who died, but not... As a result of the fire, Corbin uh, Carson's been covering this for us. Uh, KFI's uh, Corbin, 
Uh, so what's going on, Corbin? Yeah, good morning, Bill. Sad, sad morning down here. Uh, What we know is so far for this morning, uh, firefighters responded to reports of that explosion. Windows are blown out. People are saying they smell gas. They're being evacuated out. Sprinklers are flooding the building. And and, and it's being described as a chaotic scene. First responders are, are moving people out of this building, trying to get them to safety. Then minutes after they get there, shots are fired. And, and three people are hit. One's in critical uh, condition, the civilian. He's in surgery. One of the firefighters is in stable condition. But uh, minutes after that uh, f- press conference, we're still at the uh, scene. We're being asked to rush over here to St. Mary's Medical Center. The police, uh, Long Beach Police uh, Chief and the Fire Chief show up. And uh, unfortunately, 45-year-old Fire Captain Dave Rosa, a captain for six and a half years, and also with the department for the last 17 years. He leaves behind a wife and two small children. The Long Beach Fire Chief Mike Dury was really shaken up when he's asked, how does he handle a scene like this? This is, uh, this is a tough day. It's a tough day. We'll come back at 11. Thank you. Yeah, so really sad scene. Like I said, um, bomb squad is on scene. They, they said they're checking out a couple of devices to see what's going on here. Now, this is a multi-story building, is it not? Yes, it is. About five, maybe six stories. And so do we have any idea of where the fire was when it broke out? We don't. We don't have that uh, that information as of yet. But I will tell you, uh, we asked Long Beach uh, uh, Police Chief Robert Luna, could this have been uh, an ambush situation? And I got to tell you, his his response was very interesting. That is definitely on the table. Uh, We're going to be looking at that. And that's the environment we work in today as law enforcement and firefighters. Uh, you go to these scenes and you never know what's on the other side of those doors. And these brave firefighters went through those doors and unfortunately they were met with gunfire. So we're hoping to get some more information probably here in just over an hour. Now, I know that they're holding someone, uh, they're detaining someone who has uh, what yet to be named as a suspect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And witnesses say uh, um, that when they were rushing out, I talked to a couple of people that lived inside that live inside that retirement center. And they said as they were evacuating out this morning, they were trying to get out and then they come back in. They see this guy sitting on the uh, stairwell and uh, he was an Asian man. Their description. We're not we're, that has not been concerned, uh, confirmed by authorities. So we're hearing that 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 the police say that they have a person of interest in custody. So we're assuming that's the guy. And uh, we don't know what floor this happened on. And was that, uh, when you say a civilian was killed, was that a patient or was that an employee? No, not the civilian was not killed. The civilian or, I'm surgery. sorry, the civilian was wounded. Right. Yes. Right. He's in, he's in critical condition. And, and the, the, we're, we, we couldn't get a, a clear answer on whether or not the person lives there because we tried to ask, were they inside, were they shot outside? And, and that was all, as they say, part of the investigation. Now, I know that they were evacuating the building uh, as a a result of the fire. How far into the evacuation were the, the fire department and the first responders when the shots rang out? Oh, we're talking minutes. They told us they got they got there at 3.49 this morning. 3.51 is when people started hearing shots. So oh. we're talking minutes. Yeah, they had barely had time to respond to even know what was going on. All right. Uh, thanks, Corbin. And you're going to be covering this uh, for the rest of the day and no doubt uh, going to be on uh, Gary and Shannon this morning. All right. Coming back, uh, let's just do something that's reasonably fun. Gene-edited uh, uh, pigs, genetically altered pigs who are going to weigh 9,000 pounds, so there'll be plenty of bacon on the table 
I will explain uh, dinosaur-sized pigs coming up in just a moment. Is that possible? Well, maybe. KFI, let's check in. I love bacon. news that's uh, happening this morning, I thought we'd do something a little bit different. Uh, the news is going to be covered for the rest of the day, no doubt, is at a Long Beach assisted living facility. There was a fire that broke out. Firemen showed up, and as soon as they did, shots rang out, and uh, one of the firemen uh, ended up dying, the other one wounded, and it's a heartbreaker to say the least, and someone is being detained. All right. Now, I, I want to talk about something that I am actually a big fan of and that is uh, pork bellies ham well you know my ham business and uh, let me tell you what's going on uh, with uh, these pigs scientists have created pigs that are immune to one of the world's costliest and most devastating livestock disease it's a respiratory disease and how they have dealt with it is they've edited uh, the pig's dna to make them more resistant and makes almost uh, all the sense in the world. Now, there are some problems with that that make no sense to me. Well, one does, and that's the absence of regulation to make sure that uh, this magical edited gene doesn't fly out and edits all of us, which, of course, is not going to happen. And for some reason, uh, the animal welfare people are saying, if you create a disease-resistant animal, then it discourages farmers from improving their welfare, taking care of them because you don't have to worry about this livestock disease. And I'm going, really? For the benefit of the animal, you want them to be susceptible to more disease so you take care of them? All right, so now let's talk about modifying animals. Already there are genetically modified corn and wheat Monsanto Hall uh, has patents on modification of wheat. And when you buy, for example, corn, for the most part, it's genetically modified. And that took a long time. So now we're talking animals. And people are, oh, my God, they're so upset about modifying animals genetically. And for some reason, we have this fear of uh, the using genes to modify, well, people, and that's going balls to the wall. Because if you can modify genes to make people less susceptible to diseases, which is right now on the verge of breaking out like crazy, so you have uh, a gene that you're predisposed, let's say you have the BRCA1, BRCA2 gene, which... In the case of women, uh, and that causes, there's a huge propensity for breast cancer. And there are people, there are uh, women out there who have the gene. And what they do is get prophylactic mastectomies. Angelina Jolie, for example, and I know a few that have gotten gotten their breasts removed because they have the gene and there is an excellent chance they will develop it. I mean, that's how bad the situation is. Can you imagine being able to modify that gene when the woman is in the embryo stage. I mean, that's where technology is really going to explode. And, of course, people are crazy about this, and that's completely nuts, and that's a horrible thing because this is science gone awry, 
and we have a horrible time dealing with that. And and for some crazy reason, and I, I don't get it, the fear of playing with the genes, it's also religious, incidentally. Uh, there's And I dealt with this in early days of surrogacy when we were dealing with in vitro fertilization. And I, I'll, well, not only will I never forget, it's something that, thank goodness, has fallen off the rails, and that is... How dare you play God? So you take a pig or you take a human and how dare you modify the genes that God has created for that pig? And you say, wait a minute. We modify like crazy. If God, for example, uh, decided that you're going to have a horrible heart disease... And we figure out a way of somehow dealing with it, like tearing a heart out of a live person who's brain dead and putting it into your body. That's not playing God. And when we first started in vitro fertilization, God intended you to be infertile. What a crock. And so we take science, we move it in the direction of uh, not only better knowledge, but also making life easier. If God had intended for you to ride on trains, he would have given you wheels instead of legs. That's the philosophy that's used. So anyway, be prepared for some modified pigs, which are going to taste better. Although I don't know how you make boar's head, black forest ham taste any better. I don't think that's possible. Now my secret is out. You know, my favorite ham. Gary? Do you have a favorite ham? You. Very well said. What's going on today? Uh, we're going to get an update on uh, the shooting and explosion at that Long Beach senior facility that killed a firefighter very early this morning and put another one in the hospital. Just a very strange situation. We're expecting to get an update. Um, there was also a story of that dad that was found shot and killed at a campground. Yes. Malibu State Park in front of his two little girls. Uh, middle of the night, no one's quite sure exactly what happened, but it's just a weird story. Uh, Rebecca Jarvis is going to join us later in the show. We're going to talk more about uh, the retaliatory tariffs and a Harley Davidson built in Europe. It almost seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Weird. The whole point of Harley Davidson, one of the, the selling points of Harleys is they're American made. It's yeah. an American uh, brand. And American made. And now they're going to Europe? Yeah. It's like buying Levi's that were built in, built? So is there? I guess made in yeah. Studenberg. So I'm assuming there'll be a, a new model of Harley, the Effete model. Yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be a diesel probably. Probably. All right. That's all coming up with Gary and Shannon. Uh, it's a lot coming up and they're keeping you, um, uh, they're keeping you apprised of what's going on in uh, Long Beach with that shooting. All right, Gary, have a good show. Thank you, sir. All right, this is Handel. We'll do it again tomorrow, KFI AM 640.